2: at LuckyLandslots.com.
3: Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
4: Hello, and welcome once again to the First Down Snapcast, the NFL with the Yorkshire accent. My name's Ian Smith, and once again, I'll be your host today. I'm also joined by plenty of other NFL addicts too. We've got the boss, Richard Butler, Stuart Horsfall, an admin from our Facebook group, NFL Fans of Yorkshire, and two more two more Smiths too. We've got Alex and also Coach Steve. How are you all doing, gents? Not too Great. bad, Ian.
2: Very well. Yeah, really good, thanks.
4: Great. Has anyone been up to anything interesting this week?
5: I have. I... hear about it later with the Yorkshire Rams. <laughs>
2: yeah.
4: yeah, you have,
5: haven't you? Yeah. What's
2: interesting, though?
5: Well, it was a really, really good game. It was the first time that I've been to um, watch a British-American football game. Um which I can't believe I just uttered those words considering how long I've been a fan of the sport. But um, it, was, it was perfect. It was raining on the morning. The sky cleared up just in time for kickoff, And um, there, was a lot of, there was a lot of good talent on show that day. It was really good. I was really impressed. But as I say, we'll hear more about it later.
4: Yeah, great. Um, well, I'm actually not in Yorkshire at the moment. Which is shocking, isn't it? I'm actually in Essex. I'm, on, I'm actually on holiday, and I'm still recording this. So that's that's commitment. That, that is pure dedication for you.
5: Have you brought your Yorkshire tea yeah. bags
4: with you,
2: though? <laughs>
4: uh, uh, well, my wife has. I, th- I think
2: I think you need to confess, Ian.
4: <laughs> uh, I feel like it's really early in the podcast for this, but um. <laughs> Yeah, I, d- I don't drink tea. <laughs> so, <and laughs> when I when I told you that earlier, it was uh, it was met with
3: shock. But at least your wife drinks it, so at least half at tea, half at Smith households drinking the proper tea.
4: That's true. Yeah. Well, to be fair, we only ever have Yorkshire tea. So yeah.
2: yeah. My my uh, my dad once told me that you can never trust a man under the age of forty that wears a cardigan, and I'm going to change that. So you can never trust a man who doesn't drink tea what about
4: under man the age who of forty and
6: wears a cardigan.
4: I don't know, Ian. Do you wear a cardigan? <laughs> I don't. I don't own any cardigans. So. Oh well, I suppose you've redeemed yourself slightly there. I have worn cardigans in the past.
3: Oh, uh, You see, this is but a long time ago. Now.
4: A long time ago,
3: when I was it's, young and foolish. But <laughs> it's halfway to it's halfway to redeem. Is obviously the cardigan's gone. It's just a t bit to get round.
4: Yeah. Maybe one day. I don't know. <laughs> you can do
5: it. We have faith Ian.
4: Anyway, right on today's first down, Snapcast, we've got a pack show for you. Um, we're going to be chatting about uh, the Great Britain national team, uh, as well as looking at some of the regional uh, gridiron news too. Alex has already alluded to that. He went down to see the Yorkshire Rams earlier in the week. And he actually got an interview with the Rams head coach and we'll also be debuting our new feature where you get involved. Uh, It's called the two-minute drill where the boss, Rich, asks you quick-fire questions about all things American football. And we'll be rounding the show off with more... Honourable Mentions, um, a part of the show where we hand over a little bit of time to the unusual, the funny and the bizarre goings on in the NFL. Uh, in other words, it's a place where we put stuff we don't think fits anywhere else in the show. But as always, we start this episode with the news and rumours from around the NFL. NFL news and rumours. Now, in the NFL, you're never far from controversy. And over the past couple of years, the national anthem debate has been raging. So, should players be allowed to sit on Neil during the anthem? Well, it's certainly a topic that's divided America. And the issue has shown no signs of dying down. This week, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones publicly stated that any of his team not standing toe to the line, his words, during the anthem would be cut. Now, this prompted a response from the Eagles safety Malcolm Jenkins, who called Jones a bully. Uh, and then it was revealed on Monday that the NFL had asked Jones to stop talking
3: about the issue altogether. Who wants to start with this one? This is a bit of a strange one because obviously it really got to the height last season. When Jerry Jones came out with a statement the other day, he was fully behind the Cowboys during most of last season and actually stand on the line with him.
4: Yeah, that's what I thought. It was a really bizarre... Like, I could never understand why he did that and then because that seemed to be like an anti-Trump thing almost. But yeah. then he's then he's come back and, and sort of said this. And it, to me, the two things don't marry up.
6: It's what's fashionable at the time for him, I think. I think with him, it, not as the issue altogether, but he's just the kind of guy who will go with what he thinks will get him more revenue slash airtime. So at that time, it was cool to stand with the players on the sideline. And now it's not cool. So he's going to go down the opposite route. I just don't think he's, he's made up of much bone to, to stick to his own kind of opinion, really.
3: Joss, I think yeah. he was following last year as well, because obviously Khan like did with Jaguars, there was a lot of them all standing with teams, yeah. and Jerry just followed suit.
6: Yeah, I think he did, I think he saw the popularity that was being gained by NFL owners doing something like this with the players, solidarity with the players and the NFLPA and all this, but now you look at the political side of it and the amount of NFL owners that actually put
2: money into Trump's campaign, you think actually, it's a little bit back to front now. Uh, to be honest, I think you've you've hit the nail on the head there, I, I think that it's now got slightly away from what the whole point of it was originally, which was about more about the equality rather than the disrespect for the flag. Um, And since Trump's got involved and it's turned into that kind of political whirlwind where I think a lot of the owners are now concerned about Mm. what Trump is going to do to them to hit them in the pocket. And I think that's why you're seeing quite a lot of them, swing from where they were originally to where they are now. Because I actually think if you sit down and talk to some of the owners, I think they would side with a lot of the players with regards to their issues where they had around, obviously, black equality. I think that was the general root cause of the issue. And then Trump seems to have turned it around to be something where they all the players hate the flag and they don't respect the flag and they don't respect the services. And I think that's that kind of gets away from what it was originally.
4: Yeah, and I think just... Um... On the flag issue, I think living in a country that isn't America, um, I think it's quite often overlooked exactly what the flag means to Americans and how in, how sort of insulting that is, that what Trump said about the flag. Because in America, they, I, th- I believe in schools they have like songs about the flag and all that kind of stuff and they sort of, they really, really... That is the big focus in America, isn't it? About it's all about the flag and sort of yeah, worship, worshiping the flag almost.
3: It's from its starting at school, all we through to the finishing. To it? it, you yeah, respect it, the flag. It's, it's, it's the ultimate. It's the ultimate patriotic symbol, isn't it? Really? Yeah,
6: yeah. If it touches the floor, for example, um, you know, it's seen as a very bad thing because of the revolution. And you got to remember, that's only what 230, 240 years ago that America actually gained its independence. So it's still a fresh, new country with all that nationalism. Um, So the flag is the key thing. But I think if I had to nail it down to two sides, it'd be, if you want free speech, free speech works both ways, just to play on devil's advocate a little bit. You You can't say you don't want them to do this and then say, I want to do this. It just doesn't work that way. You've got the right to be offended as much as you have the right to protest.
4: But Steve, do you reckon that um, the owners and the league for that matter um, are are entitled to protect their brand and their product?
6: Yeah, I I think that's right. So if you look at, Coaches like uh, well Belichick, for example, who just doesn't even entertain the issue. He, he's football. He knows what his his aims are. His aims are to get through camp, put the best men on the field, and win a game. And then you look at um, you know a big franchise like the Cowboys, who's probably you know the America's team, aren't they? You know, and that's that's such a huge thing. So whatever they do is going to be labelled with America's team. So it's it's definitely a, a, a marketing thing as well. Yeah,
3: I did see last week um, the Giants' co-owner. Steve Tisch said, surely Donald Trump's got bigger issues to be dealing with and worrying what the NFL players are doing. You've got sort of a grievance, are not you? Because there's a lot more going on in America regarding like unemployment stuff rather than what the NFL guys do. It should be maybe his backroom staff are looking at the bigger issue, as what Stuart quoted.
4: I guess it's an easy yeah. way for Trump to deflect criticism from him, though, isn't it? And, and so look at these spoiled multimillionaire footballers who... Uh, uh, can't even stand for the anthem and it's kind of it's his way of deflecting isn't it maybe it's interesting
6: you mentioned about the flag because the ultimate question is should politics be allowed in sport that's the ultimate question and it was initially introduced in sport only as a marketing thing in america so we've gone full circle almost
5: yeah once once it's in the sport though the genie's out of the bottle isn't it and it's a political move to attempt to go back over your Original introduction uh, of politics to sport, there is no way that you can put it back.
4: Just it's a bit confusing, isn't it? This story, as well, because the league obviously made an announcement, I think it was back in March, uh, where they came out with this statement about you know, players need will have to stand for the anthem or stay in the locker room. And then that was obviously met with a lot of disbelief and a bit and anger and kind of disagreement on one side, and then obviously on the other side, lots of people agreeing saying yeah, this is great. But the league have actually gone back to the drawing board on this, haven't they, since their earlier announcement. So actually it's still up in the air at the moment.
5: It does feel like the league has sort of been pulled between two um, you know, equally strong forces, but one of them has the president at their back, um, which I think really makes a difference. But I think it might be the case. You've still got, there is this campaign to boycott the NFL because of the way that Colin Kaepernick has been trekked. So I wonder if around the time of March, when they're maybe looking at things like season ticket sales, whether they've seen some sort of a downturn in ticket sales and they've tried to attribute it to what is the most likely factor. Is it because of the uh, people who aren't buying tickets anymore or against the anthem protest? Is it because they're boycotting because they uh, believe that Colin Kaepernick's been mistreated? And I think that broadly they might have... Just sort of being swayed one way or the other, and then since then, of course, you've had the backlash from the players themselves. Now, the league are having to try and bring the players back on board. Um, and that, that's I think this story is going to run and, run and run and run and run and run.
4: What do you think would be an acceptable resolution to this? What, how, how is this going to end? Oh,
6: that's a question, isn't it? Um, there's in my head one thing is players stay in the locker room at all and whatever they do within the locker room to protest or not to protest between themselves is what goes on in the locker room the other thing is you've got to stand for it because it's causing that much issues and it'll get rid of the idea but I can't see anybody doing that so you look back to the Steelers game was it last year where there was one player can't remember who that came out everybody else stayed in the changing Mm -hmm. rooms and that caused such a stir but if you take the anthem out um then it's going to probably be an either bigger issue, really, because it'll be just as big as Neely.
2: Yeah, I I personally can't see how this is going to end where everybody's going to be comfortable with what the resolution's going to be. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I look at it, and effectively, Colin Kaepernick has been effectively hung out to dry because of this. I, th- I think the first step to kind of getting a resolution is to... for, for Kapernick to find a home to, to you know a, a team going to take a chance on him, but no team wants to take a chance on him because they don't want to be that team. So it's I, I can't see how it's going to end where people are going to be comfortable with whatever happens, yeah. or all I, sides going to be happy.
4: Yeah, I think Alex is right. I think it's just gonna, I think it's going to run and run, and it's going to dominate this season again. I'm sure we we could talk about this all night and all week. In fact, couldn't we? But I think uh, we probably best move on. So um. There's been plenty of contract news this week. Uh, While some big-name players are still sitting out of training camp, hoping for a big contract, there have been several players who have finally put pen to paper on lucrative contracts. Uh, The most high-profile one of these was the number three overall pick, Sam Darnold, who penned a 30 million dollar four-year deal with the Jets on Monday but this wasn't so much about money uh, as it was the details of his contract wasn't it Alex?
5: Yeah so oh, it's it's about the wording in the contract how it, it's something about the Jets didn't want him hiking up mountains in his downtime and whether that's a really important thing to Sam Darnold I'm not sure but whether you'd want your employer to say you know you can't go skiing or um, you know take karate class or you know whatever you want to say, whatever your interest is, whether your employer can dictate to you, there is no way that you can do that. Or you're going to breach this multi-million dollar contract. I can sort of see why there was the standoff, but I'm sure though, considering the situation that the jets are in at the moment where you've got, um, there's still obviously a lot of questions about Teddy Bridgewater. Um, Josh McCowan is about 150. Um, <laughs> it's, to get some fresh blood in that quarterback core. And Sam Darnold arguably looked the most stable contender of those that top class of uh, rookie QBs coming into the league um, this year. Um, definitely he was up there as deservedly as one of the top three. Um, he's someone that the Jets really need to get into the team quite
6: quickly this year, I'd imagine. Yeah, they definitely have a lot of faith in him, even though they've got. Maybe it's just to want to protect that asset because they are, you know, they are giving him is it a twenty million dollar signing bonus? That he's yeah, he's, he's basically.
4: Days. Yeah, he's. I was I was reading the other day. He's um he's the first ever top five pick to uh to get all his bonus up front. Uh, he's going to get twenty million dollars in one go in the
3: next two weeks. But they were very... uh, Leading up to the draft, it was Jets word, and most linked with Darnold out of all the other teams wanting quarterbacks. It was always Jets and Darnold name what was going together. Whereas the other teams like Bills and Arizona kept flittering between the quarterbacks. Jets always seemed to stick with Darnold.
2: Yeah, I, I, I still don't think he'll start. I really don't. I don't think he'll start week one. I think it'll be... Uh, I think it's dependent on how Teddy does in pre-season, but I think uh, Josh did reasonably well towards the back end of the season once he'd blown the rust off a little bit. Um, I I can't see him spending that much money and throwing him in to fail. Um, I think they'll Mm. they'll go elsewhere.
6: And he's very
4: young, isn't he? Yeah. He's only 21,
5: I think.
6: Yeah. um, If you look at um, camp as well, he hasn't actually even taken most of the reps, I don't think. If I remember rightly, he's only had about ten reps with the starting lineup receivers, whereas I think it was McCown that had the most reps. Um, so maybe right, they're not looking at a start of week one, unless they're going to see what he's like in preseason. I think
5: as well, Clark, um, the know. team last year they they were very similar to Buffalo in the way that they played last year. They um, they did much better than think most people would have predicted and especially that wide receiver car at the start of last year it looked a little bit unclear um and then obviously you had Robbie Anderson came through had a really good year um curse didn't do too bad once it once they brought him in um this year um it looks to be like you would imagine that they would they would still want to trust McCallan for. You know, yeah. whether it's just another twelve months that they can wring out of him, while they bring someone else through. They've even signed um, Terrell Pryor, of course, had his great year with Cleveland, um, catching passes from Josh McCown as well. So um, maybe that's something that's going to bolster um, that wide receiver game, especially if if you know Anderson is is another one of these big name players well, that, who get suspended this year. Yeah, well,
2: I think their their number one wide receiver will be uh, Quincy, won't they, Quincy Nnuna? And he spent quite a, he spent quite a lot of time last year on the pub list, so um they've i got they've got more options than last year. I just I think what they'll do is I think Josh will be the start of week one and I think they'll use pre season to shop Teddy Bridgewater. They'll they'll try and put him in the window as for a for a trade.
4: Darnold obviously wasn't the only one uh, to pen a contract this week. We found out on Tuesday that Vikings wide receiver Stefan Diggs also agreed a five year extension on Tuesday. Stuart, you happy with that?
2: I, yeah, very happy. I, I, I'm really happy with the work, that, or the, the business we've done with regards to contracts over pre-season. We've got quite a lot of the core squad now nailed down till 2020, so I think there's going to be some uh, some good years uh, in Minnesota, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Or we'll be brilliant on paper and rubbish on the field, so we'll have to see what happens.
4: Is, is Cousins the man to lead you?
2: Uh, I think he's more so than what we've had previously. I think everybody was surprised with what Case did last year. I don't think anybody expected that once Teddy went down and then Bradford went down, that your third-choice quarterback is going to come in and, and be that productive. I think the playoffs were a bit of a step too far for him. Yeah. And I think some of the cracks in his game started to show, and that meant that there was cracks in everybody's game. And I, and I don't think I don't think the Vikings held together in the playoffs as well as they played through the pre, uh, through the season, and I think that the the team need to address that as a whole. Um, there is some questions over whether Cousins can, you know, do it in the playoffs. Um, I, he's not actually been in the playoffs, has he? Or is he not even won in the playoffs? Only time will tell. But I definitely think he's going to have a good chance at it this season.
6: I think he's a playoff QB. I, I think he really is. Um, sorry, if we're still if we're still talking about Kirk Cousins. Um, yeah, because. With the Redskins, you don't exactly get the chance, do you? But if you look at him when he does successful drives and you see the energy that he brings and you watch his interviews and see the energy that he brings and when he got picked up by the Vikings, how ecstatic he was to be there.
2: Yeah. Uh, t- to be honest, I mean, I was I was absolutely delighted when we got him because, you know, the amount of yards that he puts down on the on the passing stats, he, t- he kind of ticks all the boxes that you're after. And, you know, we are quite loaded on our offense, that yeah, I was just going to probably- say, Stuart,
4: you've got the Vikings have got a really good roster, and, and you know, okay, Cousins might not be the best in the league, but you know, he's going to be good enough, isn't he? I think to, to lead a, a playoff charge.
2: Well, I mean, you've got probably arguably two of the best receiver duos in the league at the minute in Diggs and Thieland. You've then got um, Kendall Wright and Laquan Treadwell backing that up. You've got running backs of Latavius Murray and Dalvin Cook. So I mean, he's not going to be short of options. You know, we did quite well on offense last year. So let's let's see where we go. But I'm 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 happy with Cousins. Yeah.
4: I mean, I th- I personally think the Vikings are serious contenders this season. I really do. Yeah.
2: I also like the fact that we're talking quite a lot about the the Vikings. it's good. It's good to get it out there. I was concerned on this podcast we'd be overrun by talk of Patriots.
3: No, not all. We, every team gets a chance. But uh, just to go back to the Diggs deal, I was looking at some of the numbers before we came on, and he was going into his fifth and final year, of his, his final season, his rookie deal. And if he hadn't signed a new contract, he would, I know it's a lot of money, but it was only standing to make 1.9 million for this season, whereas now he'll take a 16.9 million guaranteed Wow.
2: Yeah, he was he wasn't an early draft pick, that's why. So the to be honest, the Vikings took a bit of a chance on him, didn't they?
3: Yeah, they did. But he's now that pair now puts him in the top ten receivers in the league. And he matches Sammy Watkins and Brandon Cook deals. But wouldn't you say he's a top ten receiver? His he starts his stats especially for last year put him in there, yeah. By
2: far. I mean the, the the question I'd ask is would you have would you rather have Sammy Watkins or would you rather have
3: Stefan Diggs? Well Personally, I don't want, I'd want Diggs because he's consistent. He's done it with not a fully fit quarterback, a second-string quarterback, a third-string quarterback, whereas Sammy Watkins has had options before. It's not worked, and he keeps moving around the league now to try and find home somewhere.
2: Well, the argument about Watkins was that he was used, I mean, especially at the Rams, he was only really used as a deep threat. They didn't really trust him in, in anything else. So I personally think Diggs is a better all-round receiver.
3: I yeah, think he's still
4: st- only 24. You know, he's got—he's got, probably got his best years ahead of him.
3: Definitely, and I think this goes back to I think Stuart might mentioned it last week, that when Vikings draft someone, they stick by their decision. They'll give it as much time as possible. Yeah. Mm. Purple people are coming.
4: <laughs> <laughs> um. So just kind of linking the next story with the current story on contracts. so we're, we're looking at the new rules so the nfl loves a rule change and uh, this season's going to see a couple of significant ones so there's the new kickoff rule which we'll get onto in a minute but there's also the new helmet rule and um and that kind of links into Roquan smith and his contract uh, issue with the bears alex do you want to explain what's been going on with his contract
5: yeah so um so far as i know there is this new rule about um, initiating contact first of all from, from the helmet um, whether that's been something that they've seen uh, Rock Juan Smith traditionally did in college maybe um, I'm not sh- I'm not so sure but he's he, obviously the, the Bears defence looks they didn't have too bad a season last year but over the summer of course they've had a they've had quite a big sort of overhaul in the offence they've only had a small bit of adjustment to make on the on the other side of the ball uh, to try and make things happen. And I think Roquan Smith, by the sounds of it, he's in a similar position to uh, Sam Darnold. He's a player that they're, that they're trying to give a lot of money to. He's been a, a high draft pick. Um, he's been coveted by a lot of other teams. But because of this new rule, whether they've seen a, um, a threat to their asset, basically, um, that he could miss a lot of time on the field if he mm. if he falls foul of it.
4: Yeah, and I think um, just sort of linking to Sam Darnold as well. I think part of because you mentioned about him not being able to do like mountain climbing and all that kind of stuff. I think the other part of it was that he he could have avoided some of his money, couldn't he, or his contract, uh, if he got like a suspension or if he got ejected from a game and things like that. And I think that was what was affecting Raquan Smith as well.
5: So you can understand from the from the player and the agent's perspective the hold-off there.
3: Just one for all the guys I remember to discuss. Obviously, with this new lowering head rule, they've brought in a 15-yard penalty for it. But also, it's, they're looking at following a college rule and that ejections could be mandatory or based on the severity. What would you think to the officials? Do you think they'll enforce them? Or how strictly will they stick to them?
2: I, I, me, personally, I think that they should they should be quite strict when it comes to at least initiating contact with your head. I know that they they looked at, obviously, the head-to-head, and that's been a previous rule change, but they've got to have player safety at the forefront of the game, I think, now, moving forward. Um, And I think that any player that is leading contact with the head needs to evaluate whether it's actually going to be a good thing for them in the long run. Um, You know, prime example is the... I bet quite a lot of people will have watched the film Concussion and and I think that's a real thing that the NFL are dealing with at the minute is kind of those later things in life that crop up because of all these issues that happen whilst they're playing so they're trying to eradicate a lot of that
6: Yeah there's um a lot of guys that, that I've coached with or, and, a, and a few coaches are, that have coached me, they've always said that the NFL is called the non-fundamentals league. The number one thing you get taught as a player, the number one thing you get taught on your coaching courses when you do your coaching badges is head up, head up, head up, head contact, head contact. You know, It's the first thing that's drilled into you. and if, In the NFL, it just disappears. Even in college game, it most disappears. But in college, at least, they're doing something to try and get rid of it. So I think it's good that the NFL is starting to catch up with it. Um, and it's good as well because offensive players love running backs and receivers, love to chuck the ball, put the head down, take the contact. And the amount of time that's led to penalties, uh, defensive penalties as well. So hopefully it might even balance it back out a little bit. We'll see where it goes with it, really.
4: Um, now, obviously, there's the other new rule, uh, which is the new kickoff rule. Steve, uh, you're yeah. our resident expert on this. So we're relying on you to explain yeah. the new kickoff rule for us.
2: <laughs> I won't lie. I'm really glad you didn't ask me.
6: Um, so I'm winging this a little bit because I did write it all down prior to coming on, and lost it. So just like a new playbook, book, I memorised it obviously. So the new kickoff rules are from basically there's now going to be an end to any running start. So uh, previously, where a uh, player can line up on a 35 yard uh, 30 yard line uh, for a kickoff. If it's kicked from the 35-yard line, they can no longer do that and run with the kicker. So they now have to stand on a 34-yard line and go from a a still start. And the idea is uh, slow down the coverage units and, and stop the speed of collisions in time of player safety. The next step is that eight of the 11 return team players have to be in what is called a setup zone. So this is a 15-yard zone that's just a, just a bit higher than midfield, I think, where they have to be, which is usually a 10 yards back, but usually you put every guy back to get to get some nice nice big blocks. And it, it's to kind of make it a little bit more like a punt, in a way, because it means that the blockers will have to run down with the coverage team. So it'll make blocking similar to that of a punt, as opposed to just one guy waiting in a lane to sort of knock you out as it were so that would leave with the eight guys in the 15 yard uh, sort of exclusion zone or setup zone uh, that would uh, that would leave three guys uh, as your return guys so you could have one return guy and two guys in front of him um, uh, waiting for the return but another change is that they're not actually allowed now to do what we call a wedge block a wedge block is where you would essentially uh, double team um, any gunners or anybody trying to get downfield, you can't do that anymore. It can't be a two-on-one event. Now, I don't know how they're really going to police that because sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't intentionally unintentionally because there's that much going on on kickoffs that it's, it's really hard to kind of do it. So they thought, well, the best way to stop that would be to not allow blocking within the first 15 yards. So there's a lot of changes here. Are You keeping up so far, guys? Or no, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. you with me? Good, I, good.
4: I think you're doing a great job explaining. <laughs> <Yeah. this>. there's, <laughs> there's actually loads
6: to it, isn't there? There's loads there of changes. Yeah, and the funny thing is that that's not even the end of it. So this is one rule within the game that the NFL are changing, where it's maybe seven or eight different elements. So you can't have any blocking in the first 15 yards. Now the 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 first question I had with that was, what about an onside kick? I was just going to say that. What yeah. is this
3: going to do to the onside kick?
6: Now, I believe that the rule says that if the ball makes contact with the floor, then they can be blocking within that exclusion zone. However, that, to me, asks another question, which is, well, that still surely means that the the hands team, the onside kick team, have are still 15 yards behind the ball instead of 10. So there's, there's a discrepancy that I've not kind of worked out yet there. But the other thing with onside kicks is that traditionally in the onside kick, you might have um, overloaded lines. So you might have six guys on one side, the side you're going to kick it, and then four guys on the other, and you kick her. In this kickoff uh, rule, they're saying it has to be even. There has to be two guys outside the numbers, two guys inside the numbers at all times, and five on each side. So, again, onside kicks are going to be interesting because they're going to be so well disguised so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that and i think this is the final aspect guys so we'll get in there is that a touchback so the cemented touchback rule from last year that it's going to be from the 25 yard line so there's going to be no more 20 yard touchbacks that's out the door it's good if the ball goes into the end zone and touches the ground it's an automatic touchback there's no need to kneel the ball. Uh, yeah, so in times gone by where players have caught the ball, wait for the guys to get down the field, took a knee. If the ball's in the end zone and it touches the ground, it's an automatic touchback. So that's kind of it summed up. So the NFL's doing a good job of keeping it nice and clear.
2: Which is great. <laughs> right. well, I mean, just just to add to that, the whole the whole point of that is, again, the NFL have got player safety in mind. So I know yeah. it, it's, it sounds like a... And big mouthful, but they've basically done it to try and reduce the amount of contact at kickoff. In a nutshell, yeah. The uh,
6: the most dangerous parts of football are the kick game and the punt. They're they're the most dangerous parts because you've got guys essentially in armour running at each other from forty yards away, um, hitting each other like a brick wall. Now, a lot of special teams guys will coach that you don't want to just have a big collision. You want to influence the guy. You want to influence his lane. But you know, guys that I've that I know and guys that I coach they just want to hit somebody
3: Yeah, it's scary to watch sometimes I'll be honest and some of the guys on special team are big yeah
6: yeah um, but the exclusions zone, only having three guys back is going to be interesting because if you you know you have to make a choice as a coach there to put your fast guys up top because they can't then peel back and hit up because they're not allowed to hit within that exclusion zone so it'll be interesting
5: do you think you could do with um, coming back and re-explaining this once we get into the regular season, Steve, would you fancy that? Uh,
6: yeah, I'll do my best, if you like. Um, if anybody's got yeah. any questions, you know, bang them on the Facebook page or whatever social media we're using, and I'm more than happy to do um, a coach ball except get the answer right. Um, and um, that was a nasty dig at
2: coach Reinbold there. I'm sorry, coach, if you're listening. Um, I just, I, I'm just glad there's not a test at the end of this.
4: Yeah, yeah so am I. Um, You've been taking notes. <laughs>
6: It's it's interesting because it's the the thing is people think you know you think coaches will say right just kick the ball out the back of the end zone, but you want to pin somebody back as close to the one yard line as you possibly can, and it's about your coverage team. And if you've got two guys outside the numbers and two guys inside the numbers, um, you've got to just be so disciplined, so disciplined.
3: It's going to be interesting to see how it pans out in that first the first Thursday night game when the Eagles off yeah. the season. Yeah, I, I, I'm a
2: bit like Richard. I, I kind of, I've read the rule and I you understand see it. it. Uh, but I think I need to visually see it unfold before I kind of really understand what they're trying to do. And I, I basically agree with the concept of trying to reduce the contact. So I kind of, I'm on board with why they're doing it. I just, I don't understand really how it's going to pan out until I see it.
6: Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about the contact is not just inside this rule, but inside of other additional rules, they're now going to try penalties from the new york office so if there is a a dangerous play on a kickoff or a dangerous play anywhere the new york office i think and i might be i'm very happy to be corrected on this i think they can actually tell the official to enforce a penalty on it
2: so i think I've, i've i've heard that i've heard that as well
6: yeah so it'd be interesting to see how that if you know if it's something that that happens if i've heard it um you know it's 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 interesting really is interesting from my perspective as a you know tactician it's really interesting from a fan perspective i think you're still going to see big hits you're still going to see um you know except or the only thing that's going to look different is a kickoff will be a little bit more like a punt once the ball's actually kicked in terms of how it's how it's returned but yeah i think that's the similarities you'll see really if you were to think about looking at it just imagine it a little bit more as a punt than a kickoff. Really.
3: Well. It'd be interesting to see if um, EA Sports are quick so we might be able to see this on Madden Nineteen next week when it's launched. Yeah, let us know. Yeah,
4: yeah. you can have a play around with it. Yeah, great. Oh, well, thanks for that, Steve. That was um, that's really useful because I've read it and I've looked at it, and uh, yeah, I think I'm like the other guys. I think I need to see it, and it'll become clearer, I think, once we we see them lined up.
6: You're not alone in that, guys. I believe me, I need to see it as well.
4: Now, here on the First Down Snapcast, we like to focus on what is going on closer to home as well as the NFL itself and this week has seen plenty of action for Brit- for british teams including the the great british national team and the Yorkshire rams coming back to you on this one steve um the great british na- national team yeah so they've been
6: out competing in the euros they just had a game today against france a lot of guys gone out there and it's just good to see the um, you know the national team getting out Because a lot of people i'm sure our listeners won't even know about them uh, which is a bit a bit of a shame because Homegrown, you know, and, and homegrown American football is something that's becoming more and more popular, so hopefully um, guys now will be inclined to, to search it out. But there's a lot of guys from, um, uh, there's, a, there's a couple of guys from Yorkshire that have gone out. One of the guys from Leeds, a guy called Sheldon, has gone out. He's, um, he's playing there. Um, and also, um, a lot of um, interest around how they're going to get on. Um, our whole Restore the Raw philosophy is get the GB team back on the map, and I think the guys are doing a good job of that. There's been 2,000 people watching the, the stream, so hopefully it'll be a, a nice a, a nice one out for the guys and they can compete hard.
4: Yeah, I mean, I watched... Um, I didn't watch much of it because I didn't have the chance, but I did catch about 10 minutes of the um, the, the game against Finland. And uh, to be honest, it was it was a bit of a slaughter, wasn't it? It, was, it didn't go well for the, the GB team, but um, I think the, the Finnish team looked uh, pretty much more organised and bigger and
3: stronger. And...
6: Yeah, the Finnish team are... Um... The, the, more or less a semi-professional outfit I mean the um, we've got a lot of guys from the UK uh, and a lot of guys from France that go play in Germany and Finland to compete there um, but the guys um, the guys seemed to compete which was great you know fourth quarter they were still lining up making shots for the end zone um, so I've got, got a lot of time for that maybe could have been stronger in the trenches you know it looked as though um you know our role line was struggling a bit but um you know number four josh Amis, uh who i believe plays for the london warriors you know had some really really good offensive defensive uh, snaps um, yeah i, I mean i just recorded that as well didn't you know it picked up on that
2: yeah i mean i um, i watched um, a large percentage of that that finished game and, and to be honest i was i was quite impressed with um with how they got on um I know that I'd spoken to you before Stephen, and, and obviously I think the GB team are a little bit behind the curve with regards how advanced our game is in this country compared to the finish um yeah. but I thought we competed really well I thought the D stood up really well and I think like you said I think Josh every time he touched the ball he seemed to be making some big big plays um he did a pick six which I thought was absolutely amazing because I don't yeah, even know great. how he got I don't even know how he got through that um down the side there um I thought there were some good players that um, I thought they could have mixed the playbook up a little bit. I, they seem to go to the flat quite a lot with the run game um, when they struggled to run it up the gut. But I, I could definitely see some positives of the the team moving forward. So I'm I'm keen to watch them again.
6: Yeah, it's good and and today as well against France. You know, it wasn't a result that that, that the team would have wanted. I'm sure. But listening to the head coach at um, a at half time, what he was saying is that yeah, you know, there's still a lot in the playbook to do, and there's, there's still a lot they can. They can call on, and I think it's about finding their feet and finding their comfort. But I was really impressed today with um, with uh, Pat Daly, who's the, the quarterback number seven. Um, I think oh, I'm going to get these right, hopefully. He plays for the Tamworth Phoenix, who are a really, really great outfit, headed up by Jason Scott. And um, he's great on his feet, looks really controlled, you know, really great on the draw, uh, good at the option. I was really impressed with him.
4: Steve, you might be able to answer this. I don't know. I know you're part of. You do a bit of coaching, and um, I think you're involved with the youth setup. Is that right for Great Britain?
6: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so the, yeah. the GB uh, under 17s under 19s uh, squad. Yeah, that's right.
4: Considering how popular the NFL is over here and American football in general, why why are we struggling to compete against other European nations a little bit? Well, there's, there's a
6: couple of reasons I'd say. The first reason is you've
4: got to remember that,
6: you know, one of the biggest, you know, that the American football is still one of the top five field sports in the UK. So you've got field hockey, soccer, rugby league, rugby union, but rugby league and rugby union are such hard competitors to get the talent in considering that they're professional roots. So you've got guys going to university on scholarships that are much greater than the scholarship that you get from American football. Um, and we're, we're still an amateur sport, you know. We're doing the, the governing body's doing a lot at the minute to bring in professionals to really up the marketing and up the development pathways. Um, you know, coach education is becoming a big standpoint. So I think it's just all part of the growing game, really.
4: Do you think over the next few years we're going to see that professionalism increase and come to the fore? Do you think that'll happen?
6: Yeah, I, def- I definitely think so. Uh, the the coaching structures being realigned, so there's a lot more options for coaches. the the university game. If you look at where Leeds compete in the, in the Prem North, is is really competitive. You know, against teams like Durham, Stirling, uh, Nottingham that we're going to be playing, you know, and and Derby. Um, I think it really is. And there's a lot of Americans now that are really looking to Britain as an as a, as a possibility to get play and get educated, whilst at the same time a lot of British players that are really starting to benefit from. Potential scholarship systems, whether it's Durham or wherever. So hopefully, um, outside of that, in the adult leagues, you've got teams like the Rams that have started to play in the stadium the past couple of years. Um, teams like Manchester that have got now got four different youth teams. I think they've got just a, such a spread. You know, Leeds Academy that's got under fives, uh, it's got five-year-olds to thirteen-year-olds, and it's got thirteen to 17 17 to nineteen. So I think positively, it, it will, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what it has has to offer.
2: I think you hit the nail on the head with regards to rugby. Um, I think a, a lot of, especially around this local area, around me, there is, there's so many rugby clubs that kind of draw in the talent away from uh, like NFL. Um, but I think it shows. I mean, Alex Gray, that's at, uh, a, an English lad that's at um, Falcons, who was um, one of the untapped talent from last year, he was England under-21's rugby union captain. Uh, and he's obviously transferred over into the NFL, so I think we've got a quite an untapped um, talent pool, and I think the NFL will see that because of rugby, and and they've got a lot of transferable skills. But like you say, it's, like Steve says, it's it's getting them out of in getting them out of rugby and into um, the NF, uh, into the American football, which is going to be harder said than done because of like you said, the kind of the professional routes that they've got.
6: The good thing about it is that we have we are getting a lot of support. I know personally, you know, any Jacksonville fans out there, the amount that Jacksonville is doing in the UK to grow the sport is unreal. They've got the Jag Sevens Cup where the winner gets tickets to the Super Bowl. They've got the Gridiron Grant, I think it's called, could be wrong on that, where they give, I think it's four guys, four kids across the country, a full university scholarship. So it'd be interesting to see how they tie in with it as well because they're doing such a good job of helping us grow that as well.
3: And they're always here, right? And there's all, they're always, like I said, they've got so many competitions at Jags, they've always got staff over here. Mm. Yeah, and the good thing as is,
6: as a tea drinker, you won't appreciate it, but the Jags actually paid for the coffee and tea at the coaching convention, so they're definitely eye uh, books.
4: Did they provide some <laughs> nice chilled water, though? Oh, it, no. It, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> don't don't <laughs> like, be
6: that
2: guy, Ian. Don't,
4: don't
2: be the water guy. Guy. I am that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think... All, the, all you're saying there, Steve, is just it's adding fuel to the fire that the, the Jags are going to be a UK franchise very soon.
6: Yeah, and and do you know what? I really, really hope they do because if they're doing what they're doing now and they're not actually a London franchise, imagine what they could do as a London franchise.
2: Yeah, totally agree. I, I think that if if they came across, it it'd be it'd be brilliant. Now the question that I would ask is that if the Jags came across and became I don't know the the u k jags or or whatever they decide to be. Would we change allegiances to follow the u k team? You know
6: Stuart, I think about this every day, and it's because I've got a jags cap sat on my my, my cabinet next to me as well as a Patriots cap. I need I to keep
2: forgetting it. I keep forgetting that you were bought. Yeah,
6: I was bought and I'll be bought again because I think i'm 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 officiating the um the Jags Sevens Cup in Manchester in a few weeks time. so if it's another free hat, I'll be bought again, that'll be it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> easily bribed. Well, it's, it's free, it? and us Yorkshiremen, you know, we'll take anything
4: for free. Absolutely, <laughs> apart from tea. No, That's just me. Is that just me. Anyway, so anyway, the future's looking bright, by the sounds. But anyway, so it's the next five, ten years are going to be really exciting, aren't they? To see uh, what's happening. And, uh, Alex, uh, you actually went down and watched the Yorkshire Rams the other day, didn't you? Yes, I did the um, the last
5: home game in the regular season. Again. And how was it? It was terrific. Uh, really good as a spectator. Um, I was fearing the worst when I got up on Sunday and there were uh, black skies. The heat wave had suddenly vanished, and I was thinking, "Oh, this is going to be." I wasn't sure what the facilities were going to be like at the South Leeds Stadium, um, but it was it you, was really really positive. Um,
4: yeah, you were you were telling me actually the you were a bit impressed with the stadium and the setup, weren't you?
5: Yeah, it was really good. Aside from the uh, they seemed to have a problem with wasps. Um, <laughs> but aside from that it was uh, it was terrific it was really really good fun um, The everyone there was even the security staff that were working there they were, they were really engaged in the game itself as well um, it was a little bit of a one sided contest in the end as the scoreline would suggest 53 to 0 um, but for the wealth of talent that was on display um, there were some genuinely really good players and um, from both sides as well. Actually, um, there was uh, Glasgow didn't really trouble the end zone, but there were a couple of players where they had a a quick running back who peeled off a couple of really really good runs in the second half. Um, but for the Rams, really showcased a big passing ability. Mostly, I think most of their touchdowns, if not all of them, came from uh, uh, really good, really long passes um they did also have uh they had a, a a couple of quarterbacks across different styles so you had sort of the the small quicker uh quarterbacks and then you had this guy who um the defense had to sort of triple team him at one point and you could hear him from the stand shouting <laughs> as he was as he was plowing through them um it <laughs> was uh it was overall it was really good fun yeah um Decent attendance too for that that type of a game, although I'm led to believe that when they do have um, national finals in that stadium, um, they can get fans from teams all over the country going and they can completely fill it out. Um, but definitely for the cost of the fiver to go and watch it, it's absolutely top entertainment for a Sunday afternoon. Worth
4: doing, yeah. yeah. Great. And um, you actually uh, caught up with the head coach of the Rams, didn't you?
5: I did. That's right. Um, Dave Parsons, the head coach, and the wide receiver is a chap called Tom White. So, joining me here after the uh, Yorkshire Rams' fifty-three to zero victory over the Glasgow Tigers at the South Leeds Stadium, I've got two members of the Rams team here. Joining me is head coach Dave Pawson. Good afternoon. And star wide receiver Tom White. didn't <laughs> that, but. Um, <laughs> Interesting story is that um, when I first met Tom, Tom was training to become a sports journalist. So it's a bit (laughs) weird this um, being the opposite way around, but I'm sure
1: he'll keep me straight. How did you think the game went today, Tom? Uh, Pleasing game today. Um, Obviously nice to to get a few points on the board. And uh, yeah, a few touchdowns to go around. A couple of guys got the first touchdowns today. So it's uh, very nice to see. a bit playing time for everyone. So. Yeah, it's really good nice, nice when it works out sort of like this today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from from my side, it was a good good
7: game. First time we played Glasgow, it was very very close. So we knew that they were a decent team with a decent set of linebackers we so was a case of isolating what they had last time and working on it in practice and having a full game plan, which the coaching staff that we've got worked, have been working on for the last couple of weeks and it seems to have worked with a 53 point win. So,
1: yeah, I'll, I'll take that and happy with what the coaches have done. I say it's a couple in a row now as well, plenty of points against Leeds off the timeout as well. So, it's uh, something, of, yeah. Okay. I'm finding that form again now after a little bit mid-season. we a couple of good games together now. We've got Lancashire next week, and that'll be a really, really tough game.
0: We're
7: still in the hunt for the playoff spot with Lancashire, so we've got to beat them and then hope the results go right on the last day of the season. So we've got Gates in on the last day, and Lancashire have got Northumbria on the last day. So if we win out, and from Real. win the last game. We're in the playoffs. If either of those games don't go the right way, we're out of the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it could work, literally come
1: down to the last game of the season. Yeah. I was talking to one of our guys the other week for our match <laughs> programme. He was saying it's basically it's playoff football already. It's, yeah, the last couple of games have been. We've had to win these last few games
7: and,
1: and yeah. keep it rolling into the postseason if we get there. <laughs> yeah. And
7: it's been in that you're, mind. You're, that the last few games have been getting the momentum for the offence and getting us back on track. We, we played a really tough game with Northumberland at their place, and came off on the wrong side of it, 34-28, with a couple of pick si- two pick sixes against us. Even one of those don't go in, we win that game. We came to our place, and to be fair, Northumberland did a really good job. Got a lot of new players in and they, they did the moment well and stopped us completely then it was a coming back in the last game against Bobcats in Leeds and just try to get that momentum going again from an offensive perspective which we got 6-7 the hard part today was to make sure that we kept that momentum going it's what we've been talking about for the last week is just keeping we got the foot down and not to ease off it's, it's the nature of the game in this country. You go 35 points up. second half, it's a running clock. We had two possessions in the second half and um, maybe yeah. a touchdown and a field goal yeah uh, it's just a, look. a lot not a you can do about it
0: yeah. <laughs> um,
7: what
5: have been the real highlights of the season for you so far anything that really sticks in your memory is it's a terrific game or uh, your favourite game
1: we've we've had a, f- a few good ones we beat uh, big beat gates so pretty well early in the season as well um, so it's uh, I guess it's those games and, and putting those points together and just trying to get that momentum going but even like the games we've lost have been, apart from the last game against Northumberland, they've been good, tight, tough games which are yeah, exciting games to be a part of and you, it's, it's just annoying when you don't come out on the right side of it but we've, we've sort of, we know we've got enough about us that we can compete with anybody in the division. and. Uh, it's it's, it's, it's it's good when you get a,
7: a division we'll, number, which is I on any given day up in Glasgow in the first meeting
4: <laughs> it could quite easily yeah, yeah, in Glasgow
7: so. came out on top <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
4: so
1: yeah, any, yeah. any
7: team on that day yeah. at the moment
3: it's
7: a shame just a little bit of a goal for the yeah <laughs> but that's just the nature of how the league is um, but some of those teams on give them another year they'll recruit well a lot of experience being
1: in the division Yeah. and it'll, next year it will be even harder Sorry, so it's just it's cool. trying to get that, that balance right you see these teams even when we were putting those points up against the Bobcats a couple of weeks ago they kept fighting all the way to the end I was on the, the yeah. kickoff team and the guy I was up against just never giving in just, giving hey, that you just you I, player and that's, that's great to see when a team game getting beaten like that and they're still yes, trucking and they're still working hard yeah yeah. Chelsea games in, in a healthy place, I guess. And been... Yeah.
5: And for anybody who's listening, who's unfamiliar with maybe how your league system works, is it does it work similar to like the English football league where you'll have promotions and relegations? So There's
7: promotions and relegations. The team that finishes bottom in the premiership will come down this year, which is to be decide that who's still So they're already down and will come into our division next year then the top two teams in the division go into the playoff structure and then the bottom team in in our division gets relegated which this year unfortunately for them it's the Leeds Bobcats they'll go back down to Division 2 and the top two teams which at the moment is Northumbria and Lancashire with us nipping at the heels and um, the Midlands boss, the Northern, Southern Northern Conference, which is really weird, <laughs> that's all decided. Leicester's won it, Sandwich in second, so whoever finishes in second place, either Lancashire or ourselves, after our this playoff game will be in Leicester, of who we played last year, and it was a tight, close game with those guys. So, yeah, it's all the teams are all starting to come together as a
1: as a unit yeah. Yeah. so yeah on the, the structure you've got the promotion and relegation like the English Football League but then you've sort of got the regional conferences as well similar to what you have in the NFL and the American sports so it's a, a bit of a, bit, a, bit, a hybrid of the two systems. I guess
5: you mentioned Dave before this about how Yorkshire when you've been involved you've played against Glasgow a few times and you yeah. haven't the, lost the yet the
7: team's played Glasgow <laughs> <or> in their informal <laughs> incarnation was <with> Strathclyde Sheriffs we've played them seven times um, I was fortunate to played in five of those games never lost um, I've been the head coach in the last two so yeah so far I'm, I'm batting seven and all it's always nice to have that <laughs> I wish it was against Lancashire but there you go some
5: so um, if, it, if you obviously you're aiming for promotion this year What sort of big games will you be expecting next year? Will you be expecting as well to consolidate your position in a higher league or...?
7: Do you think it'll be a we've tough have not, not even looked at that yet. Yeah. Get first. Yeah. All, all I'm concerned about this moment time is Lancashire next week. Okay. We've got to get. We, we can plan as much as we want for next year for going up against the likes of Sheffield and Merseyside and um, Tamworth and all that kind of guys. But we've got to get past Lancashire and we've got to get past Blackgate, and then we've got two games in the playoffs. There's yeah. still potential if results go our way and we've played to our potential, we've still got another five games to go. So it's just too early to even start looking at that. And finally, I just want to ask
5: you as well, um, what advice would you give to anyone who's out there listening to this who hasn't thought about playing the game before or coaching the game before or officiating the game before? Yeah. Or even just if they want to come down and enjoy the match day, what sort of advice would you give to anyone?
7: Just getting involved your local club. There's a lot of clubs in Yorkshire. And there's you know, there's Nottingley, there's the Bobcats, there's Dundasai, there's, there's Sheffield. And that's a whole different language. The and, so. it's, yeah, it's and then obviously, you've then got the junior levels as well. The likes of the Assassins, the Blades, Beckett, you've got Sheffield, have got junior programs. We've got a lot of this time. And we've football as well. So we've got all the best flag teams in the area. So there's lots of stuff you don't want to do with the contact stuff. There's still another route to be involved. And we're always looking for helpers on the game days and helping out in the stadium, on the sidelines. There's always stuff around that people can do. We're, we're quite fortunate in playing at South Leeds. It's a great environment to be in. It attracts people. We've got uh, probably somewhere about 150, 200 in the crowd today. Yeah. And, it, and it's it's just trying to build
1: on that. And that's the day that really bad weather. So yeah. There's a good university system as well. I believe at that level, a lot of our guys sort of play for the university teams and then join us late in preseason, come and play here. Um, guys like Tyler and Lysander have been two of our best players on defence, come straight from the uni system and roll into this. So it's it can be year round if you're a student. Um, so yeah, if you if you're a student, you're looking to play the game, get involved with your uni team and stuff like that, and that's a great way into it as well. Yeah. Which I didn't do. I, I came into it later, but uh, you know it's. A lot of guys coming into it that way, and, yeah. and then roll on into senior teams like
0: this. Excellent,
5: excellent. Well, um, thanks a lot for your time today, guys. Best of luck for the remainder of the season. <laughs> if you make the playoffs, yep. <laughs> See how we go. Promotion, exciting times ahead. Yep,
2: thanks a lot. Cheers. Okay.
4: okay, so now it's time for our new feature, which is called the two-minute drill. And as mentioned uh, in the introduction, uh, that's a guidance only. Um, if you want someone to lead you on a a two-minute drill in the last two minutes of an NFL game. Rich is not your man. But this week we uh, we caught up with one of our Facebook listeners, didn't we, Rich? Uh, yeah, who, who, who did we listen to? Who who did you speak to
3: this week? Um, I was wondering who we could get for our first um, venture, and I managed to speak to a um, fellow moderator admin in the group, um, Lee Hunt, who was willing to contribute, but we have already got a bit of popularity and got a list of people willing to take part already.
4: Yeah, and absolutely. And if if you want to add yourself to that list, uh, please visit our Facebook group, NFL fans Yorkshire, um, and just message just message us on there, and you can uh, and you can be added to the list. Uh, so here is Lee Hunt's
3: two-minute drill. Are you alright, Lee? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad yourself. Yeah, not too bad. Now let's get through these two-minute rundown questions. Who is your favourite team? The would uh, be the Saints. How long have you been watching the NFL for?
0: My initial interest sparked probably around 2011 from uh, playing Madden 2011, and that's actually what brought me on to be a Saints fan. Drew, Drew Brees were the, the cover star that year. After that, I didn't follow it too close. I'd been more involved, I'd say, the last three years, mainly owing to um, fantasy football, which I, which I really enjoy.
3: What is your favourite memory as a fan of the NFL?
0: Going away from... The actual game and coming back to fantasy football again. Um as the listeners will be aware um of Stuart who's on the podcast regular. I have a bit of a bit of a rivalry with him in everything we do and um we were in the semi-final of the fantasy football season and I found myself 65 points down around that much. Went to bed, woke up in the morning, David Johnson had scored 40 points and Antonio Brown had scored 30 points and and I, and I nabbed it with two monster weeks from them two players so. I'd have, I'd have to say that, I think. That was that was pretty sweet. Do you prefer the running game or the pass game? I don't have a particular favourite. I think they're both important. Both, both use at the right time to, to get a win over the line. But if I if I had to swing one, I'd probably maybe go passing game. You know, if some, someone chucks an Elmery. It's a little bit more exciting.
3: Have you ever attended a game, either uh, in the UK or America?
0: I've been to a couple down in London, and uh, due to go to the one this year as well with Philly and, and Jags. But I've been to Redskins and Bengals, which were the first draw in the UK, and uh, I also got to see uh, my beloved Saints as well and Drew Brees in the flesh against uh, Miami.
3: Who was your favourite player?
0: <laughs> favourite all-time player again? That'd be Drew Brees. But at the moment. Um, Flavor of the month is uh, Kamara. Very exciting first year. Looking forward to see if he hopefully doesn't have second season syndrome.
3: As an NFL fan, fans always want that one marquee player from another team. Who would you want in the New Orleans Saints if you could go and get any player?
0: Antonio Brown, 100%. Would love to see those two play together, but I don't think Steelers would allow that. But in a fantasy world, it would be all day.
3: If you could play the NFL, either America or in the UK, what position would you like to play or could see yourself lining up as?
0: <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd love to be able to say quarterback right now, but I know I would be Gump. Um, <laughs> so probably more on the defensive side, maybe maybe safety. I think that would be quite fun.
3: Thank you for your time too, Lee.
0: No
2: Always, <laughs> mate.
3: Um, if anyone would like to get involved with a two-minute drill on our weekly episodes, if you can send an email to nflfanyorkshire@gmail.com, at gmail.com or just comment on the Facebook page and we will be in touch to interview you.
4: And to finish this week's show, we've got um, another regular section called Honourable Mentions. And um, basically what we thought was, uh, you know, there's always things going on in the NFL. There's lots of news that we've discussed and stuff, but there's also... Interesting stories that float about and amongst the holding out on the contract deals and the hype about the new rookies. Um, so we thought we'd cast a bit of light on some of the other stuff that's been going on this week around the NFL. So I've I've got two, but they're a bit, they're not huge stories, but they're just stuff that as a defensive
6: minded person, I really enjoyed. So number one is seeing Chandler, uh, Chandler Jones, Arizona Cardinal linebacker, break one of the tackle sleds by hitting it too hard. That is the stuff I want to see, which shows to me how much fun we're going to have this season. So one of my own inventions goes to Chandler Jones by snapping the dummy off of a tackle sled during a hit-up drill.
4: That's crazy. That (laughs) That is mental, (laughs) isn't it? Yeah. That that must take some (laughs) serious force.
6: Yeah, I mean, I don't know, unless it was a bit old, but I'm going to give him the benefit. Uh, Let's say it was brand new. It was brand new. (laughs) So again, defensive-minded, goes out to Mr. Miami Dolphin, Mark Gaze. He was showing his guys how to do press coverage, which is essentially where you get right up in the face as a receiver. And I don't know any NFL head coaches that would um, just hop on the field and suddenly start throwing press coverage about. And I just thought that was ace. So, yeah, they're my honourable mentions. Not big news stories, but just really cool stuff that's happened.
4: Yeah. Well, I think uh, I've seen a couple of really cool videos this week, and you've probably seen them. but uh, Yeah, you're going to steal my thunder here. Oh, I might. Well, (laughs) go on then. I'll be kind. Well, I've I've seen two
2: videos this week, so I know I we touched on it they're last bet week.
4: They're
2: the same. Yeah, I know they probably are. I saw uh, Griffin, um, which we talked oh. about. We touched on last week. Um, pick pick off uh, Russell Wilson in one of his uh, first training snaps. I thought that was amazing.
4: Yeah, I have uh, got that on hand- but that, that isn't one of the ones I was talking about. But, yeah, that was an incredible... Yeah. It was just brilliant to see, wasn't
2: it? Yeah, Yeah, one-handed pick, um, which must have given him a load of confidence and not done so much for Russell Wilson, to be honest. Um, and my second one is I watched more than one video, probably like two or three videos, of uh, Josh Allen at the Bills failing to complete four-yard passes um, <laughs> under no pressure at all.
6: I'm sorry, I'm, I don't... But the the, the passes it was doing though the underneath pitch that is one of the hardest passes to throw ever. Sorry to be a devil's advocate, so bring it Stuart. Let's go. <laughs> I haven't I haven't seen I haven't seen
4: that video, but I have. I, I read about it, and I must admit it did make me chuckle. Yeah, I I, I just didn't
2: realise that we had a secret Bills fan in the team. Sorry, one. Cut,
6: we'll edit that out because I feel I, I said it as sticking up for the guy, but then I realised I'm a Pats fan, so we need to edit that out. I feel dirty.
4: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just wondering what they bribed you with. That was yeah.
6: well, I'm definitely not going to Bill's caps. All so. oh, right, yeah.
4: <laughs> it's just my pajamas. Yeah, I mean,
2: I know you're saying that it's one of the difficult passes to make, but I would be expecting that someone at that level to be able to make it uncontested, really. Uh, yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right.
6: Yeah.
4: You're and right. Then, now those videos weren't actually Stuart. The ones that I was that I'd listed. I've I've got the first one was quite a cute video. It was a uh, Big Ben's son throwing the ball, and uh, Brown's son, A B son catching the ball perfectly. And if you watch the video, little Big Ben, it's just perfect throw. The spiral on the ball was absolutely fantastic. He looks like you know he's only about three or four or something, but he's like throw a better ball than me. Future Steelers already? Yeah, that's what they're saying. Like in 2030, that could be the new that could be the new combo. Um, yeah, you and just then... know that one of them is going to get
2: drafted to the Browns, though.
3: <laughs> can you imagine if they both ended up at the Bengals
6: yeah. <laughs> don't be that good you might be a first round draft pick don't be that good What do you to go second
4: and <laughs> uh, then the other video I saw and I've only just seen this just before we started recording tonight actually uh, it's Ray Lewis rapping on a horse has anyone else seen that video? I've heard sorry, but I've not sorry, seen repeat it
6: that. I, I, did I genuinely hear what I just heard yeah.
4: then? <laughs> Ray, Ray Lewis rapping on a horse OK,
2: I did hear
4: that. okay <laughs> and I've it is heard a bizarre, it, but I've not it is seen it. It's as bizarre it. as you think. It's just weird. He's sat on a uh, horse and he's rapping.
2: I feel you need to follow this up with posting that in the
1: group.
4: <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll do that. I'll add it into the Facebook group, yeah, definitely. Um, and I know one other thing we uh, we discussed, I think it might have been Steve was pretty, I think he mentioned it two or three times actually throughout the week. He clearly likes a bit of a scrap, does Steve, because um, he kept mentioning about fights in camp.
6: Yeah, you got to love a scrap. Um, well we are from yorkshire after all so well most of us um and dallas i think that was, take top it, was of the that thinking me then no 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 <laughs> all right okay we're all honorable just... yorkshiremen here um so dallas cowboys were just at the top of the list because it's dallas um jerry jones needs to stop worrying about what's going on with players taking an A start worrying about what's going on in the practice field. Because I can't remember the details but apparently it was a pretty decent scrap and it was another team. Somebody's going to have to help me out here but it was another team, wasn't there? It was the Giants. The, the Giants.
3: Giants. It was the NFC East. It's a divisional it thing yeah. I think.
5: Not to be outdone. <laughs> Allegedly as well, the video of of the Giants one, um, it was Wayne Goldman was running the ball and he's been tackled by, well, uh, by it's, Olivia that's Vernon.
2: That's the first yeah, that's got to be the first time he's done that.
5: Yeah, <laughs> it's a rarity. Um, yeah. But yeah, Olivia Vernon's tackled him. And all that I've read is he suplexed him. But all of the video that I can find of it is from the opposite touchline. So it's really difficult to make out what exactly has happened. But apparently the, uh, the kiss the make t- made up afterwards. But Eli Apple has been roped in for some of the blame, as he always does. So...
3: Oh, well, Apple never falls far from a tree does it <laughs> oh, yeah. I was nice. going to say nice. very <laughs> nice
5: <laughs> I think we have to mention um, just briefly uh, Andrew Luck is apparently throwing the football again yeah He's really good in camp apparently so it could be a completely yeah. different Colts team with him um, although he'll he'll need some time but I think their, uh, their early schedule isn't too bad
3: uh, they've got... I think they have a worse second half don't they yeah, I f-
2: yeah. I, f- I feel, I feel a bet coming on here. I feel like we should have a wager on what week he'll go down. Yeah.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's definitely in order because uh, um, my head coach is a is is a Colts fan, so I'll be interested to find out what um, what he says. I'll well, I will th- find out I think, come back. Yeah, I think he'll be down
5: before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Wow! Right. If he gets traded, the Chargers, he'll go down next week. Um, that, that's my second honourable mention is to whoever it is that's got some sort of a Chargers voodoo doll. Um, They've yeah. <laughs> been really that's so effective unlucky. this year. Um, that is such an unlucky team for injuries. But um, yeah, it's whoever it is that's doing it, they, they seem to have a real thing about Chargers tight ends as well. Maybe yeah,
2: they lost the cornerback
5: as well, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, Jason Verrett. They've been so unlucky. They're basically the arsenal of the league. It'll be someone to do with the Broncos, is my bet. Maybe that can be the second bet after the Andrew Luck bet.
3: <laughs> I, I thought it might have been like the um, tea lady down in San Diego since they've moved home now and she's got no job. <laughs> so she's she's done with a voodoo doll. Yeah.
4: I like that shout. <laughs> I think that's more likely, yeah. Great. Uh, So that that wraps up our honourable mentions for this week. Um, And before we go, I'm just going to hand over to Rich, who's just going to mention where you can contact us or join us.
3: Yep. So we've got the usual social media. So we have the NFL Fan Yorkshire page on Facebook and on Twitter and Instagram. We've also got an email address of nflfansyorkshire at gmail.com and coming in the next... don't want to shorten it too much but i'd say maybe over the next two months that we will have our we will have a new website which will link to all our options of social media so just keep out looking for that
2: oh check us rolling forward with the technology <laughs> well i think that oh. sounds very exciting yeah. i know i feel like i need to throw my betamax out now <laughs> i'll too you up for this what's a betamax <laughs> oh dear <laughs> uh, well I was just going to say if anybody's really that desperate to follow somebody on Twitter you can follow me at Ridiculed Idiot
6: I'll try and be funny now and say that mine's at Coach Steve but it actually is so that's original no you see like mine it. is
2: genuinely at Ridiculed Idiot that's
6: <laughs> a great one <laughs> I um almost forgot to uh, to mention that if you guys are still looking for a football fix you've got the GB adults team got one more game left in the Euros I can't quite remember where that is when that is but if you go onto the ifaf website it's very very quick to register to watch um, and secondly double coverage which is the sort of page that looks after the news for british american football um, also has links to the youth five v five championship games on Saturday that are in Derby. If anybody fancies a watch, I think they kick off at about half ten and are on actually all day till about six o'clock. So if you're getting a bit bored without any football, get some homegrown taste and, and see what you guys think. Yeah, so that'll
4: be Saturday the fourth. Yeah, Saturday the fourth. That's August. right,
6: Saturday the fourth. Yeah, forget podcasts last forever, don't they? So uh, that's Saturday the fourth of August, two thousand eighteen. I'll probably speak to you when you
4: guys get a link in the group or something, so you guys can watch it. That's great, thanks, Steve. Yeah, that's that's a really good shout out.
5: Um, so next week we've got a interview coming up as well for anyone who's new to the to fantasy gaming this year, or for any grizzled veterans out there who could just use some sneaky tips for some from some fantasy experts. Um, we're speaking next week, Stuart and I, to a couple of said fantasy experts from the Across the Fantasy Pond uh, podcast and website. So keep an eye out for that. Um, if you'd like to contact me for any reason at all, um, I'm on Twitter at UnrealAlexSmith or for fantasy specific stuff, I'm on Fantasy Life at the same, at UnrealAlexSmith
4: right, thanks guys Uh, well, it's been fun and uh, so I just want to say thanks to The Boss Rich Coach Steve Smith, Stuart and Alex too Um, my name's Ian and I'll hopefully see you all again next week